Welcome to Word Mission Church International Podcast. Now the Word with Paul Mensah Wood. Thank you, Lord. Welcome into God's presence. And join me in welcoming our online audience as well as our television audience. And we thank God for what he's doing and what he's about to do. Amen. Amen. Um, here, every day is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Amen. <laughs> every day we celebrate the risen Christ. He is alive. And because he lives, we live also. And thank God for all that he's doing both here locally, nationally, and internationally. See, we are all we are part of the body of Christ. In um, Colossians 1 verse 18, Jesus is called the head. So he's the head of the church. And the head is up in heaven. And then the body is down here. And the body consists of so many members. And we are a part of the body of Christ. So we are glad to be part of the body of Christ. And I trust you are doing well. And you had a blessed week. And if you're not doing well, like Pastor Paul said earlier, by the end of this service, you'll be okay. Amen. Amen. There is nothing too hard for God. Now, you see, um, let's get into our Bible lesson today. But I'll preface it by saying this. You see, the understanding of God's word is what makes the difference in our lives. For instance, he says in Psalm 119, Psalm 119, the whole psalm, every verse has a statement about the word of God. And Psalm 119, verse 144, he says, The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. The testimonies, the righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. So it's understanding that's what causes us to live. The understanding of God's word, the understanding of what Jesus has done for us, what he's doing for us, and what he through the Holy Spirit with the word of God can do through us. Understanding makes the, makes the difference in our walk with the Lord. And even in, in, in everyday life, understanding makes all the difference. Now, if you don't have understanding... Even though you are saved, even though you are a child of God, sometimes without understanding, it can be um, you will not enjoy what God has provided for you. And your life can sometimes, there can be no difference between you and then somebody who is not saved. So understanding makes all the difference. In our walk with the Lord. For instance, notice what he says in Proverbs. This is not the sermon, but this is just an appetizer. We'll get into the menu here shortly. Now, he says in Proverbs 21, verse 16. Proverbs 21, verse 16. He says, let me read it from the classic King James. He says that the man that wanders out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. The man that wanders 
out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. So this person may even be a child of God, but if he wanders out of understanding, if he doesn't have understanding, then he will remain in the congregation of the dead. What that mean, means is that you remain and your life will be like somebody who has not been translated from death to life. Key issue. That's what makes the difference between you and the next person. You are in church this morning because you have understanding that Sunday morning I give God priority for my week. You do certain things in your life because of the understanding you, you, you have. So the more understanding you have, the more you live or the more you enjoy what God has planned and purposed for your life. Very important. I pray in the name of Jesus you will live because of understanding. You will live because of understanding. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Watch out the appetizer. Let's get into the main meal. Amen. All right. Now, you see, we just celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But one of the things that will make a difference in your life, and again, that will cause you to live, is for you to understand what Jesus is doing for you now. Now we celebrate and we say Jesus is alive. Well, if he's alive, what does that mean to me? If, if, well, think about it. Somebody that was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, what does it mean to me after 2,000 years in my everyday life? What, what, what does it mean? What is the relevance? And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that may God open your eyes this morning in Jesus' name. Now, you will notice that in John chapter 20, verse 17, let's, 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 we'll, we'll go as far as we can. And if you don't finish, we'll, we'll, we'll continue. But John chapter 20, verse 17, notice what the Bible says. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he said to Mary, do not cling me or do not cling to me or do not touch me. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, that's where we ended last week, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Go and say. Now, but notice that here, right after he was raised from the dead, he says to Mary, don't touch me. He, he, she was so excited. It's a natural thing. Oh my, I've seen Jesus. I want to hug him. I want to kiss him. I want to do whatever. I want to embrace him. I want to hug him. But he, Jesus said, don't touch me. There is a reason for that. Have you ever wondered why he said, don't touch me? Now, later on, we see in Luke chapter 24, Luke 24, verse 39, he says, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. This is when he appeared to all the disciples. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you see me, as you see I have. So a few, a few moments earlier, he said, don't touch me. Now he appears to them later again and he says, touch me, handle me, and see. But notice what he says. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. Notice that he doesn't talk about the blood. So what happened to the blood? What happened between when he said, 
don't touch me. And then later on when he said, touch me. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. Hebrews 9, verse 24. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, for Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often from the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Herein lies the answer. Now, in the Old Testament, the, because of, of, of sin, the high priest had to go into the most holy place once a year with the blood of boots and go, bulls and goats. And he, this he did once and for all, and when he did that, it covered the sins of the people for a whole year. You see, God desperately wanted to come into the presence of the people to fellowship with them. But sin, uh, it, sometimes when he came, there was fire. There were so many things that people said, please, don't you, Moses, you talk to God and don't let this God talk to us personally. We don't want to. It's too, it's too, it's too scary for us. <laughs> but God wanted to hang out with his people. That's how much God wants, desires to hang out with you, fellowship with you. But sin was in the way. So he said, okay, let's take care of this situation once a year as a symbol with the blood of bulls and goats so that it paves and clears the way for fellowship to the very extent that God could. But that was a type of what Jesus was supposed to do. So when Jesus said, don't touch me, the first thing he did when he was raised from the dead, was this once and for all ministry, which was to take his blood into heaven itself and offer it as a once and for all sacrifice for sin. So it says Jesus did once and for all. So when they later saw him, and he says, strangle me, touch me, a spirit that's not half flesh and bones, there was no blood in there. The whole blood has been drained out and is in the heavenly. For you and I to make a way for us. So that's a once and for all ministry. He doesn't have to keep doing that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, somebody say thank you, Jesus. This is sacred stuff. But this is the foundation. If you get this, you, you're making progress. So when we say Jesus is not dead, he's doing something right now. He's alive. But his first ministry, when he was raised from the dead, was to present his blood. as payment for us once and for all.
That was the first one. There's some other things. It says the blood had to cleanse heaven itself. Adam's sin had touched heaven. The heavenly utensils, later on he says. But just get this one for now. He at once and for all ministry to pay the price for us. Now, the first thing that he's doing for us currently, one of the very first things he's doing for you and I, is that he is a minister of the sanctuary. You see, you see that when, when, when God appeared to Moses and said to him that he should build the tabernacle, he, said, he, he, told, him, he told him that, look, ensure that you do it according to the pattern that was being shown you. It was a part, a copy of the real thing that is in heaven. So, thank God heaven is a real place. I said, thank God heaven is a real place. I said, thank God heaven is a real place. I said, thank God heaven is a real place. But the first thing that Jesus Christ, one of the very first things he's doing for us, go with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. He's a minister of the sanctuary. Hebrews 8, 1. He says, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. He's referring to the tabernacle in heaven, not the one that Moses erected. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if you were on earth, he will not be a priest, since they are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. So notice he says, causing him in verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle and he has to have something to offer gifts and sacrifices he says he says that the, the people down here verse 5 who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he says see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain so what moses had down here was a copy of what's in heaven and he was supposed to do things as a pattern of what's actually happening in heaven. You see, the thing that changed my, my life tremendously is when I realized that Jesus Christ is not just sitting idly in heaven twiddling his thumbs, sing, singing, twinkling, twinkling, little stars. <laughs> <laughs> But that he's still in the ministry. And what is his ministry? He says, a minister of the sanctuary with God pitched and not mine. And what is he ministering in? He's ministering in, a, in our gifts and sacrifices. He's ministering in sometimes in our worship and prayers. Sometimes our crude petitions that we don't know how to offer. All these things, Jesus takes them and makes them beautiful to the Father. A minister of the sanctuary which the Lord pitched 
and not man. Hebrews has a lot to say. When you study some time, when you have time, it has a lot to say about what Jesus is doing for us now, the present day ministry of Jesus, which is what we are looking at this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Notice, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The high priestly ministry of Jesus is still ministering in the holy things, in gifts and sacrifices. But he's seeing that he's unlike the people, that, uh, the high priest of the day. He says it's no one who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, with the things that we go through. But was in all point. That's the thing. That's the difference. The, uh, the difference about Jesus. He's been down here before. So he sits where you sit. He's with you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with us all the time through the person of the Holy Spirit. But he knows your tears. He knows what you go through. He can sympathize because he's been here before. And in another place in Hebrews, he says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. But he says, in all points, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. He can sympathize. Sympathy is different, is, is, is different from um, just standing afar off and watching and say, okay, let me, uh, <laughs> let's see what's going on here. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He's not a high priest who is out of touch, but he's a high priest who is in touch. I like that. That just came out. <laughs> <laughs> He's no one who is out of touch, but he sympathizes with our weakness. He knows your ups and your downs. He knows what you go through. And he desperately wants to help you. Receive his help this morning in Jesus' name. Receive his help in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Are you hurting? Are you going through a difficult time? Are you suffering? Are you going through pain? Are you being hurt? Jesus is saying to you this morning, he's touched with the feeling of your infirmity. He knows what you go through. And he is willing to help you. Receive his help this morning in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Receive his help this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's doing that for us right now. 
And I pray that no matter what is going on, in the name of Jesus, may God help you in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. amen. The classic King James of, of, of Hebrews 4, says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He's our Lord High Priest. What else is he doing? Did he just take a vacation? No, 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 he's not. The second thing that he's doing for us is, he is our advocate. That's a legal term. Now, go with me to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. Now, Paul, uh, John writes this beautiful letter and studies this one too sometimes. It talks about a lot about love. But he says that, verse 9, this letter is written to Christians. You see, you see, the understanding is what makes the difference. Now, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, he starts by saying in verse 3, that that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you so that, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with, with his Son, Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about the fact that the, the, the goal of redemption is fellowship. So God wants to have a close relationship with us. Now he goes on to say that if we have fellowship with him, we are walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So long as we are walking in the light that we know, there is an automatic cleansing through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the other thing is, if we are walking in darkness or if you are out of fellowship with the Lord, then something has come between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we cannot say that we are in fellowship with him and be walking in darkness. It means something has, something has blocked their fellowship. And God wants to have the fellowship. So he makes a way and says, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then if we confess... He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember, we define righteousness as the ability to stand in the presence of God unashamed, unafraid. But when we sin, when we miss it, sin means to miss the mark. When we miss it, we feel ashamed to go into God's presence. You've not been made You've not lost your righteousness. You lost your sense of righteousness of your standing before God because of what has come between you and, your, and, and God. But God has a solution for that. That's where another ministry of Jesus comes in. 
So when he gets to chapter 2, verse 1, you see he's writing a letter. With man divided the Bible into chapters and verses to help us with references. But when he gets to chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, now we come to another ministry. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation of our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have an advocate. That's like the family lawyer. So you lose your sense of righteousness. You don't want to go back to God um, because you feel ashamed. But then he, he, he reaches out to you and says, look, I am the righteous one. And I'm here to plead your case. A family lawyer, an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. We have. You see, it's present tense. It's a present day ministry of Jesus. He shows you the way to come back. So there's no reason for you to remain in condemnation. That would block faith quicker than any, I mean, very quickly. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He says, I'm writing to you so you don't sin, but if in case you sin, there's yes, the way out. And really, Anybody who is truly a child of God does not desire to practice sin. As soon as you miss it, something checks, checks you. One time, D.L. Moody, he was, he was an evangelist way back. Somebody came to him and said, um, Pastor D.L. Moody, I want to give my life to Jesus, but... I really enjoy worldly dancing. So I don't want to do I don't want to give my life to Jesus. And I'm gonna, if I if 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 I do, I don't know what to do with this. Because it's I want to clean up this worldly dancing fast before I come and give my life to Jesus. Dear Mudi told the lady. He, says, he said to her, you have this thing upside down. <laughs> you give your life to Jesus, and you can go and you can dance all, go and do all the worldly dancing you want. So he said, okay, if that's the case, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And then, and then we will let the, let the rest follow. So the lady gave her life to Jesus Christ. And then several days later, Pastor D.L. Moody saw him, saw her, and, and said, what happened to you? Are you still into worldly dancing and all that? I said, no, 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 no. I see what you are talking about. <laughs> After I gave my life to Jesus, the one too to do that is no longer there. It's gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> 
You see, when you are truly, truly a child of God, you don't, not, you don't desire to sin. It's the one too is gone. For instance, that's what he was saying in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Let me read it from the classic amplified version. He says, no one begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Wrongdoing. For God's nature abides in him. His principle of life, the divine span, remains permanently within him and he cannot practice sinning because he is born begotten of God. Do you see that? The one too will be gone. If you are genuinely a child of God, you don't want to practice sin habitually, continually. No, 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 no. It's gone. And if you, something happens and you sin, he says you have an advocate. But the one, two, he says, I'm writing so that you don't sin. But you have an advocate. Someone who pleases, pleads your case. Pleads on your behalf. And helps restore that sense of righteousness. He says, cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Somebody is being delivered today in Jesus' name. I said somebody is being delivered today in Jesus' name. You see, the reason why God forgives us, God had Jesus away do away with sin, which was the original sin of Adam, again, is because of fellowship. Isaiah 43, verse 25. Isaiah 43, Verse 25. He says, I, this is God speaking. This is not, this is not man. This is God speaking. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. I thought he was doing it for me. You see, that, that is a different, it's a different, it's, it's, the mind switches at that point. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Why would he do it for his own sake? Think about it. How desperately God desires to fellowship with us. Why? He wants to bless us. Why? He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to hang out with us. And the sin is going to stand in the way to say, I'm doing it for my own sake. <laughs> Amazing. Sometimes we talk about, oh, we love God. Um, we found God. I was living my life a certain way, and then one day I decided and surrendered my life to Jesus. But you have to think, look at it also from God's standpoint. Like the, like the prodigal son, the father was always looking, looking for the child, expecting that one of these days the child will show back, show, will come back. 
So he says, I blot it out for my own sake. I desperately desire the fellowship. I will not remember your, your sin anymore. Once you confess it and forsake it, if you go to him and you ask him, Lord, do you remember 20 years ago this happened, five years ago, a week ago, two weeks ago? He would say, what are you talking about? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Somebody's being set free right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Three. He's our intercessor. He is our intercessor. He lives to pray for us. Ever lives to pray for us. He said, he's our go-between. Now, Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go back to Hebrews. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Verse 14. It says that seeing then that we have a, high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but it's not point tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, not timidly, boldly. We belong there. To the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boldly, come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus has made the way for us. And he ever lives to make intercession for you and I. He's praying all the time. All the time. He's never left that intercessory role of praying for us. Now, think about it. Bef before you even got saved, before you even came to the Lord, he was praying for you. And somebody also down here was praying for you as well. Usually that's the case. So it's a partnership and it's a joy and a privilege to partner with him in this great ministry of intercession. That's one of the, that's one of the things we can all do and partner with the Lord Jesus. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25. Notice that. Mark these verses, please. Don't let them get away from you. The present day ministry of Jesus. He says, therefore, he's able to say to the animals, those who come to God through him, since he always lives. Sends his presence to make intercession for them. My God. Think about it. Jesus is always praying for you. He was praying before you before you got saved. 
He still prays for you after you are saved. That word save there is the word that is translated in other places heal. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Why? He always lives. Always lives to pray for you. He's doing that right now. Somebody said, how does he pray for so many people? I don't know, but I believe the Bible. <laughs> he knows you by name. And he ever lives. To pray for you, make intercession for you. He's doing that right now. You see, Jesus Christ in John chapter, nobody ever said, nobody ever was ever said that. Man had lost their way to God. And Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. Nobody, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You got to go through me. Nobody. So you can't come to God based on our goody goody self. No, nobody. In, in se several times in the book of Acts, he's called the way, the way. The Christianity is actually called the way. Jesus is the way back to God. You can try so many other ways. It won't end you up anywhere. You got to go through him. <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth, the reality. You find reality only after you find Jesus. And you can't find it any other way. Go for so many years, circle and circle and circle and circle and circle around, but it will end up at Jesus. And some people, unfortunately, don't find it before they leave the earth. I pray you'll find him before you leave the earth. I pray you'll not keep postponing that decision. But he's the way, he's the intercessor. Our prayers are answered on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He is the way. He ever lives. Even on the cross, before he died, he was praying for the thief. Remember that one? And now, still, in Isaiah 53, verse 12, we see that. And then later on in the, in the, in the Gospels. But notice Romans chapter 8, verse 34. We see Jesus in that role again. As intercessor. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. And if he's risen, what's, what's different does it make? It says who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. Oh, how, we, how, how, how his ministry makes a difference in our lives. Remember how he delivered you from that accident? Remember how he delivered you from that deadly disease? Remember how he protected you? We pray and we join with him in that.
great ministry of intercession. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go a step further. What else is Jesus doing for us? Now, as, as high priest or in his present day ministry, he takes, remember in Hebrews he says he has to have something to offer, gifts and sacrifices. Now here, he takes, and this is, this is, this is very interesting, he takes our tithes that we offer to him. Now when we give money, tithe, tithe is 10% of our income, when we give money or every increase that we receive, when we give money down here, some way, somehow, when we offer to God a sacrifice, an offering, it registers up in heaven. This is very important. Now, we see that first, let's, let's look at a number of scriptures along those lines. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. We'll trace this a little bit throughout the Old Testament and come to the New Testament. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. This was after Noah came out of the, of the ark. He says, Now Noah, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bed and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, he's done the thing down here. He says, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. He offered down here the Lord's smell. He offered down here the Lord's smell. A soothing aroma. Then he said something. Verse 22 says, while the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So notice here how an act that is down, done down here causes an aroma for the Lord. We see another example. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 25. This was when also David had sinned against God. He had numbered the people, and a curse had come on the land. And again, you see, David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, and the plague was redrawn from Israel. He offered the Lord heathen the prize. Now, in Genesis chapter 14, Abraham had an encounter. He went to war. And when he went to war, he won the battle and gathered the spoil. On his way back, he met somebody. His name is Melchizedek. In Genesis chapter 14, and notice what Melchizedek did. This is an act and a time and a shadow of what we see Jesus doing. When he met Melchizedek, he said to him, Genesis 14, 18. If we don't finish, we'll continue. <laughs> don't worry about that. He said that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest. Notice this. 
of the most of, of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tie, a tie of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that you see, lest you see, you should see, I've made Abraham rich. My riches come from God. But the principle here is that he met a priest of God. He gave him a tenth of the spoils from the Bible. And then the priest of God released the blessing on his line. You have to realize the blessing was originally in the garden of Eden. And they lost it. So everyone in their generation goes after the blessing. But here is a time of what Jesus was and he's doing for us now. Now, when you get to Deuteronomy chapter 26, you see, sometimes people miss this whole thing about hiding, offerings, all that. Really, the act is an act of worship to the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, we see another time there as well. Let's, let's look at a few, uh, a few verses over there. Deuteronomy 26, verse 2. Deuteronomy 26, verse 2. It says that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Notice verse 3. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days, and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian about to perish. And he went down to Egypt and dwelt there and few in number. And there he became a nation great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, and looked on our affliction, and our labor, and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and with an outstretched arm, with great terror, and with signs and wonders. He had brought us to this place, and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruit of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord has given to you and your house 
you and the Levites and the stranger who is among you, when you have finished laying aside all the tithes of your increase in the third year, the year of fighting, and I've given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, so that you may eat within your gates and be filled. Notice that there's a process going on here. It says you bring the fair first, the tithe or your first food is calling in this case. You bring it before the law and there's a process. You take it to the priest that will be in those days. He takes it, sets it up and lifts it up before God and he begins to recount what happened. I was ready to perish. But you delivered me. And say, then you shall say before, notice how he keeps saying, say before the Lord your God, verse 13, I've removed the holy tithe from my house and I've given them to the Levite, the stranger, the father, the widow, according to all your commandments, which you have come, I've not transgressed your commandments, nor have, for, nor have I forgotten them. I've not eaten of it when in morning, nor have I removed any of it for, my, for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice, there's the key. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and I've done according to all that you have commanded me. Now something is going to happen. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the land which you have given us, just as we saw to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So this is not just a practice that you do casually. It's actually part of our worship. Now, we've looked at it in the Old Testament. Now let's come to Jesus. And then we can glean some lessons on how we do that in our days. Hebrews chapter 7. He's doing that for us now. Remember that you go to the priest of the day. Now who is the priest of the day in the New Testament. Now, if when you talk, 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 start chapter 7, you talk, start talking about Jesus and Melchizedek, Melchizedek and Abraham, and then he switches. And then comes to Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, verse 8, when he talks about Abraham and Melchizedek, when he gets to verse 8, he says, Here modern men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lived. So we see that principle here again of something that is happening down here, but is registering in heaven, just like with Noah and, and even David. Modern men received a bad debt. So some way, somehow, I don't know how God, God does it, but he registers. An act that is done here registers in heaven and Jesus is our high priest. And then he does the same thing. He releases the blessing of our lives. Like no kids of that day. And that's what makes the difference in our lives. There. He receives them that he led. So he goes to, you see, remember he said, make the, the tabernacle according to pattern. So that so that the so they were doing that there in Deuteronomy is a copy of what's happening in heaven right now in, G, in Jesus. 
when you come, you come and you say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. I, I, I was lost. They said they were, they, were, they were, the Egyptians were oppressing them. We say, Lord, I was under the oppression of the enemy. He was oppressing me, kicking me left and right, kicking my family left and right, kicking me around left and right. And one day I heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and you delivered me from that cruel bondage. And now I'm in the kingdom of God. Now I'm a child of the Most High God. Now I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now I offer my very best to you, Lord Jesus. I put it into your hand. And now Jesus takes it and worships the Father when he's doing that for us right now. And say, Father, release your blessing on And you shall rejoice in all the good things he's done for you. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. So as you are doing that, he says he has to have something to offer on our behalf. He's our high priest. He's the priest of the day. He takes it and, and worships the Father. He says there. And then he releases the blessing on our lives, on our family, on our business, on our children, on the works of our hands. So it's there's something sacred going on in the background of that. That's what the Apostle Paul was referencing in, in, in Philippians chapter 4. My God, the time got away from me. I get excited when I start talking about these things. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, another example. Something is done here and then it registers in heaven. Philippians 4.15. He says, Now you Philippians also know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Notice this. A sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus, doesn't that sound like the days of Noah? They are partnered with him in the ministry of the gospel. He said, you are the only ones that partner with me concerning giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. In Exodus, in, in Genesis, he calls it seed time and harvest time. What you sent to me is now a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Then verse 19, the one that we like. <laughs> and my God and my God you see, don't read it out of context we have to read it in context to see what he's talking about and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus 
Like Abraham said, you have delivered me from all my enemies. So any enemy that you are confronted with, any need that you have, in response to that, says, my God, my God, my God, relax. Whatever the need is, he will take care of that need. I said he will take care of that need. I said he will take care of that need. But some way, somehow, the sacrifice goes up as an aroma. It registers. And then the blessing is released in every area of your life. Somebody from today will begin to walk in the blessing. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then finally, there's more along those lines. Actually, there are two more. And several others. <laughs> Jesus is not, a, he is not taking a vacation. In fact, his high priesthood ministry covers you from the time that you are born again to the time that you are ushered into God's presence. What a marvelous thing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, my God. Don't you love him? Don't you love his word? My Lord and my God. Five, he's our shepherd. He is our present day shepherd. Now you see Psalm 22 is a, is a prophecy about the, the, resurrect, the, the death of the Lord Jesus, the crucifixion. Way ahead, he's describing minute detail in Psalm 22. And Psalm 23 talks about his present day ministry as shepherd. We are living in that now. And then Psalm 24 talks about some things that are coming up. But we are living in Psalm 23 right now. And how does Psalm 23 start? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is right now our present day shepherd. He leads us. He guides us. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And then now when you get to John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus said that himself. He made that statement himself. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Oh, that sense of thrill. And I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. The bad shepherd? No, 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 no. He's a very good shepherd. Oh, thank God. I am. Present tense. He's doing that right now. I am the good shepherd. I am. I am. Oh, even though you are going through a difficult time, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, surrounded by this, this spiritual death and all that may be surrounding you, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? He is with me. He leads me. He guides me. <laughs> you have a covenant with God. And because they are so, they, I mean, he's not here physically. Now he sets shepherds. See, pastors are shepherds. What is called, the word that is called pastor in the, in the New Testament is really the word shepherd. To help you navigate, guide, help you. 
This morning you have been helped, aren't you? You've been helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to help you and guide you. I am the good shepherd. Oh, thank God for Jesus. It's, the, it's present tense. I am the good shepherd. Cause you to lie down in green pastures. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will help you. But you must be willing to be helped by Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then finally, there are some, there are some other things, but finally also, oh, thank you, Lord. He's the high priest of our confession. Six. The high priest of our confession. The high priests of our confession. What does that mean? Now, when you speak in line with the word of God, again, all of, the, all of these we can spend a very long time on them, but when you speak in line with God's word, Jesus sees to it that it comes to pass. When you speak out of line with God's word, uh, it doesn't it doesn't see to that one. In fact, when you speak, uh, care, I mean, cursed words or words of death, you are empowering the enemy to enforce those words. So this is another ministry. Hebrews chapter three. My God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Notice that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. The high priest of us. That word confession means we all means we saying the same thing. And when you say the same thing that he said. He sees to it. He's anointed to see to it that it comes to pass. He's doing that right now. Hmm. Oh, my God. There's so many things I want to say along the lines, but I run out of time. But just get that. He's the high priest of our confession. For instance, he sees in Isaiah 57, verse 19. Isaiah 57, verse 19. He says, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is afar off and to him who is near, says the Lord. And I will hear him. I create the fruit of the lips. So when you speak in line with God's word concerning any area, Jesus sees to it that it comes to pass. In fact, the angels also see to it that they come to pass. They hearken to the voice of his word in our mouth. But when you speak out of line with God's word, then you empower the evil angels to enforce those words. It's a word activated system. Somebody say, Pastor, please give us examples of those words. I should give you an example. <laughs> when you say your feet is killing you, what's Jesus going to do with that? <laughs> the evil angels. Take those words. <laughs> but to wrap up, we'll continue Wednesday and then Sunday. And Sunday is an anointing service. But 
the key to all of this also is if Jesus is doing all of this for us, what are we doing for him? Think about it. He says in Colossians 1.8, he says he is the head and we are the body. Now, now if he's doing all of this for, for us, you, see, you are the people, you are the person that people see. The Apostle Paul said, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So he lives in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. When you leave here, people don't see Jesus physically. In another place, the Apostle Paul says, we are written epistles, known and read by all men. Somebody say, these two verses, Pastor, where are they? That's homework. <laughs> Go and find out where those verses are. Maybe next week we'll do a quiz or something. But he sees that Christ in us, the hope of glory. And then we are living epistles, known and read. So people are reading us. When you step out into the workplace, they know who is the, who is the, the Christian there. So you are, you are being read, known and read by people. So we are the, we represent him. Every single day of our lives. So if he's doing all these things for us, if, you, if your finances are with Jesus, no matter the inflation on the earth, it won't touch you. That's the, the truth. But if he's doing all these things for us, what are we doing for him? Key question. Let's ponder on that. Talked a lot. <laughs> but remember again when you raised up when he was raised from the dead and he went to went to Peter and, and said, Peter, Peter was so remorseful for betraying Jesus, all that he had done. And then Jesus made breakfast for him, and they enjoyed breakfast. Bread and fish made by Jesus. How would you want uh, how would you like to have some of that? Breakfast prepared by Jesus hot. But after the meal, he asked, he kept asking him, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah, 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 no problem, I love you. Second time, do you love me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Third time, do you love me? Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, if you love me, do something. Just saying you love me is not, it's, it's one step, but it's not the end. Feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Do something. Put your love into action. He's committed to us. What are we doing for him? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We trust this podcast was a blessing. Subscribe for more messages like these. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, we would love to hear from you. Email us at info at wordmissionchurchinternational.org. We will love to equip you in daily walk, so sign up for devotionals and encouragement at www.wordmissionchurchinternational.org. You may reach us at 719-235-5535.